Oh, it's the weekend. Oh, it's the weekend. Like, almost really actually this time. Is university a waste of time? The Delta ceiling. March motion coming up. And this trip to Hong Kong. To buy an SNES console? What do you think? Folks, Friday, February 24th, 2023. I'm Steven Sersky. Hope you are doing well. Wherever in the world you are located, whether you're in Hong Kong, Beijing, Shanghai, Chengdu, Chengde, Changchun, Harbin, or not China. <laughs> Wherever you are, hope you're doing well and uh, getting ready for the uh, weekend, I guess. I mean, I think I have a weekend this uh, this weekend. I'm not entirely sure. I probably, hmm, I did say I was available for the morning. I didn't receive a confirmation email, though, so... I'm not sure if entirely, uh, I'm not sure if I will be able to, uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> I'll have to check again tomorrow morning just to verify that uh, I'm not working. But uh, as it can sometimes happen, uh, you can <laughs> just get called in anyway. So we'll see how that goes. But as it is, I'm going to approach this as a uh, uh, a weekend, a true weekend, which all it means is I'm still going to go to bed at the same time. That's it. Is university a waste of time? Okay, so I was watching this um, uh, podcast actually about uh, Final Cut Pro, of all things, a video editor that I use. And this guy, who's been in the game for a long time, uh, was saying, like, just do not go to university at all. It's a waste of money. Use it to uh, make your first movie instead. And I've heard this before, that uh, instead of going to film school, take the money and make your own project instead. Uh, I agree with this, but where I, I don't agree is where people say, don't go to university at all. Uh, it's a waste of time. It's a waste of everything. I have mentioned before that there is a notable difference between the people who do go to university and the people who do not. And not just in terms of vocations or jobs, but in terms of the way that they think and the way that they approach certain issues. I can say that the people who don't go to university would be a lot more realistic in the, in the sense that they see it, they believe it. They don't see it, uh, they probably don't even think about it, to tell you the truth, right? That that's the, being in the sense that they don't dwell on problems that they can't solve or that don't really affect them. University grads like to dwell on these problems, and this is part and parcel of the university system, uh, and probably a good reason why a lot of people who say don't go to university, it's a waste of time, it's a waste of money, is because you are sort of pushed into dwelling or thinking about pro uh, problems that either you're not going to solve or can't be solved. Uh, and so is your time, and not only that, you still have to get a job to, to, to pay the bills, basically. So at what point do you kind of spend the time working on things that don't lead to any sort of uh, financial or physical or actual remuneration of some sort, be it financial or other? Um, or, or do you just go, just not think about these things at all? Um, <clears throat> I, I, I work with a lot of ed university educated people, you know, not just like highly educated people. So uh, I, I kind of look at uh, some of the things that we do. And it, I, 
I can't dissuade someone from going to university. I And to be clear, I think a lot of these criticisms are pointed at the United States university system, which is a lot different from other places. In the United States, there's much more rampant uh, pay-to-play sort of degrees. If you pay the money, you're going to get a degree. Like, and that type of education where you're going to pass no matter what, that's where you're getting into these exorbitant fees. Like why, why would you do that? Now, if you can, if you can go to MIT, if you can go to Berkeley, if you can go to uh, New York University or somewhere, you know, uh, was it UCLA? Are you going to not go there and not get an education? I mean, if it's there for you, go for it. I mean, I guess the other thing is that if you are not academically inclined, if you don't like dwelling on those problems and, and you don't even, maybe you're not good at it or maybe you just don't like the process of it because a lot of university grads enjoy the process of thinking about things that they will never solve. That it's, it is a question. It's a never-ending question. That's why we have libraries of words, of dead trees with ink spilled all over it, debating topics till, I'd say till the cows come home, but the cattle ranchers would be like, well, the cows are home and the books are still there. So <laughs> uh, what are you going to do with that there, right? That's a good, you know, it helps hold the, the tractor seat in place sometimes, right? That paperback that you got. Um, I, I'm I'm on the side of university. I, if I were to do it again, it was very difficult for me to decide because I know what led me in the direction of going into university, uh, and that I know that I did have the uh, the family support behind uh, behind me, but also a lot of my friends were going to university. A lot of my family is, uh, went to university, and keep in mind that a lot of my family prior to that um, were were raised on the farm. Okay, so the lot, even my aunts and uncles who worked on the farm, who lived on the farm, they all uh, grew up and they went to university, moved away from the farm, uh, and all of their kids, university educated, world travelers and everything, right? No one really said, stay on the farm and work on the farm. It was not, that That was not the uh, the push. That being said, to to look at this one, the next generation of farmers... And this is where um, I think this is the university has changed quite a bit. The education landscape has changed quite a bit in the last, oh, especially 30 years, last 20 years. A lot of my cousins who work on farms are university educated, not only like your, your general BSc or BA, but we're talking they have a master's of science or master's of agricultural business, ag business, huge degree. I mean, if you're going to go to university, you go get a degree like that. Cargill, Monsanto, they will be waiting. At, they will have conferences. They will have recruitment drives on the university campus for you to go work for them. They are looking for those types of degrees. Agriculture, huge. Now, of course, the other art students are going to say, well, Monsanto is the devil, and this Cargill is that, and there's a GMO, and blah, blah, blah. I remember the, when I walked into one office of an Australian farmer, uh, and I was just, this is the first day on the job, and he's like, you're Canadian? 
your GMO seeds are killing the world. And I was like, and hello, sir. Nice to meet you, too. I don't know what you're, I know what you're talking about, but I don't actually live on a farm. Thank you. And I didn't actually make any of those GMO thingies. It was kind of funny. Uh, But I I know that they are sort of blamed for a lot of the um, uh, problems that we have with food processing technology. You'll hear the farmers complain too. The middleman takes a good cut of their their money, so the farmer's like the lowest guy on the the totem pole sort of thing. Uh, and that uh, the the railways, especially in Canada, they just have that market covered. There's like two railways, uh, two companies that run the whole thing right 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 across the whole nation. Not like the states has a little different setup in the states. A lot bigger business, a lot more because the states is like you can't tell me what I'm going to do. I'll build my own railroad track. <laughs> Canadians, it's like, there's already one. We really needed one. Do we have the room? Because if we make another one, then we won't have the room for the the, the farm anymore, right? You can pick one. Take the railroad or the the farm. You can't have both. Um, So I'm lighthearted on that one. But when you go to university, you're getting a degree. It highly depends on which degree you're, you're aiming at. For me, I fell into my degrees in the classics because that's just what I was doing well in, okay? I was trying to be a computer scientist, and I don't know if you've noticed by now, but the way that I've talked about Python, using ChatGPT, and trying to automate my own workflow, it's no wonder I didn't get the computer science degree. (laughs) Oh, snap. That wasn't going to happen. Well, I did want to get into video game programming, so... When I'm talking about things like Unity, like the the game developer, uh, game development program Unity, this is sort of an actualization, a realization of making those types of games. So this is kind of like a 20-year a, a sort of episode. Uh, coming to a conclusion? Starting? I don't know. Uh, coming to fruition? I, something along those lines. Anyway, Delta Ceiling. So... I've all but decided um, to redo uh, to rewrite the uh, the test in June, uh, given that uh, the vacation dates that I or not the vacation dates the travel dates that I have in mind should work out in my favor, uh, and that means that uh, I could probably make it all work. So going forward, I'm uh, gonna have to be studying a little bit more, reading a little bit more on these, uh, doing a lot more practice tests. I guess that's, um, uh, I can't ignore the correlation, ignore the correlation of the people who said, just do the practice tests and the people who passed, that seems to go one-on-one, one-to-one, almost direct correlation. Do practice tests, you pass. You do all of the essential reading, you don't pass. (laughs) So if you do all the essential reading, you're like that academic who just dwells on problems that can't be solved. Whereas if you're the practice test person, you're the person who's actually doing the job, doing the work. You're not thinking about it because you don't have to think about it because you already know the answer to it because you've done it a thousand times. Snap there, Stevie. But the Delta ceiling. So uh, the one thing about this, and and, (laughs) uh, kind of funny, kind of academic, talk about dwelling on things that can't happen. You get the Delta. What's going to happen? What else are you going to do with it? Uh, so far, just about everybody I know who has done the Delta, and it's been a chunk of people, okay, it's, it's not, this is not just anecdotal, this is, there's a chunk of people who have done this thing, and given that I have worked for uh, two different companies here, uh, or one university and a company, 
met enough people to sort of have a, a broad perspective of if you get the delta, then what? Well, so far, it's if you get the delta, then what in China? You stay at the same job. You don't step up. There's no real step anywhere, to tell you the truth. But even the people who've left China, they're not really doing anything. They're not doing any jobs that are paying any much more than what they would make here in China if they were to hit a certain uh, industry. Uh, like uh, IELTS is pretty big, like all that standardized testing. Uh, if you got into uh, international schools, uh, that's big money as well. Uh, university as well. Uh, but university isn't is well paid for teaching, but they just want your two to three, three to four year university degree or CELTA certificate. If you have a Delta, great, but they're not jacking up your, your income that much. They're not jacking up your pay that much. It's, it's not here. So it's, it's very much a personal challenge, uh, as most master's degrees are, to tell you the truth, uh, as, as, as far as I can tell, and as far as I can uh, hear other people saying as well, that they just want to challenge themselves to doing something. PhDs, you get into sort of specialisms, and it's a little bit a little bit different, a little higher, higher stakes in terms of um, what your time commitment, the money, and then what you're expected to produce as a master's, i.e., and also a delta, because the delta and a master's are equivalent. Uh, you're not expected to produce anything original. It's very much not. It's meant to you. You learn the terminology, you learn the the theory, and you regurgitate it in a way that's commonly accepted in the field. And that's again looking at. Delta Module 1 with the terminology and the theory. That's exactly what you got to do. Learn the terminology. Learn what we're talking about. And speak it back to us so that we understand it the way that we've just taught you to understand it. <laughs> Don't try to reinvent the wheel there, buddy. March Motion. Coming up. Actually in f six days? <laughs> Five days? Uh, so the March Motion is this uh, little challenge I have. Uh, I, I put upon myself. Uh, so... When this guy who talked about Final Cut Pro, uh, just go make your movie rather than uh, go to university. The other thing that he said, which I very much agree with, and these month-long challenges that I've been doing uh, are very much a sort of reflection of this idea of don't think about it. Don't spend money on something that you don't need. Use what you have and just go do it already. So one of the, the things that he says to do is get your cell phone and just start making movies every day. <clears throat> Make one movie a day for the next like 30 to 60 days and you will learn more from that, more from that process than going to university and studying like film theory or filmmaking or anything. You won't learn anything that way. And I, when you look at it that way, I completely agree. Because looking at these, um, these month-long challenges that I've done, one of the reasons I started the podcast many years ago was to learn how to use Logic Pro X. I think I've started to use a pretty good, I'm starting to do it pretty well. Was it two years ago or last year? Maybe it was two years ago. I started doing something uh, called May You Make Your Movie. Uh, this will be the third time on May You Make Your Movie. So that was an attempt to use all of the filmmaking tools I have and try to create something each and every day. So that's in May. That's the, that's the month of May that I work on that one. March motion. So this is going to be the second year that I do this. This is me trying to use this program, Apple Motion, for computer graphics or special effects or animation. 
uh, on the MacBook. And I follow this one guy, Simon Ubsdale. He's a fantastic graphics artist, uh, British guy with one of those nasally voices. Um, and uh, he uh, just is phenomenal. His work is phenomenal. Basically, all of my, a lot of my stuff is copying what he's doing, uh, almost stroke for stroke, like a, a tick for tick, a line for line, basically. This year, I'd like to change that up a little bit, to tell you the truth. I want to see if I, how, what, how much and what I can create on my own, using my own ideas. How do you approach the idea of creating a digital asset? Do you need to script it beforehand? Do you need to uh, prefab sort of thing? Is there anything you need to sort of prepare uh, going into it, do you have to make any sketches or anything, or can you just start creating with the program? There were a few um, short videos that I made last year that were my own creations, and I think you could tell that it's like, okay, this is, although it looks complicated, it is actually kind of simply put together, and so, like, he probably didn't have to look at a tutorial for this, but some of the more involved stuff, it's kind of like, I don't know how he th- he must have uh, looked at someone else do this, and that's true. For more often than not, I, I did. Uh, so March Motion uh, is coming up throughout the month month of March. I do have a dedicated Instagram channel to this. It's I put these all through my my May You Make Your Movie Instagram channel. I am also going to be setting up a YouTube channel uh, separate from my my travel channel because that, that travel channel has just become bogged down with way too many things at once. I'm going to create a new, uh, I'm, I guess I haven't decided if it's going to be a media, movie, or music channel, or if it's going to be, like if it's a media channel, then it can have both music and movies, but if it if it's just movies, then I'm, it's just going to be uh, like March Motion, maybe make your movie and stuff like that, so, but I will have that uh, link made, hopefully within the next couple of days. <laughs> Planning this Hong Kong trip, I'm not going to lie, working hard, working long, working so smart can i work any smarter i don't think i can uh, pretty restricted in what i can do to tell you the truth uh, but um this whole hong kong trip in the back of my mind we're now basically a month away from it and uh one of the things that of all the things that i'm looking at of doing not only do i, I want to go there for a week or so just to chill out and uh let's see a couple things on the 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 agenda uh go have a cup of coffee at pacific coffee while reading uh, the South China Morning Post, maybe. Um, maybe it doesn't have to be Pacific Coffee. It's a, Pacific Coffee is the Hong Kong coffee chain, um, but I, I could settle for another one. doesn't matter. Uh, this electro, this EDM festival, Cream Fields, is the uh, uh, EDM festival that's going on. Uh, I can't say that I'm a, a huge raver. I appreciate the music. I've noticed that ever since I started backpacking and traveling, it's become more prominent on the trail sort of thing. My hometown was not a big EDM scene, more punk and rock and metal and stuff like that, or folk. Right? It was like you're either in metal or you're in a folk band. <laughs> oh, goodness. No no EDM. But there were raves. I know people talked about them every now and then, but I mean, I, I never went to any of this stuff until I started traveling. I, actually, to tell you the truth, I don't think I've actually, I think I've been to one proper rave when I was completely hammered in Montreal uh, when I started traveling. And it was just, it was a blur. It was a drum and bass rave in some warehouse. That's all I remember. Uh, maybe it was an official gig. I don't know. It was very loud. Lots of blinking lights. Lots of people. Very dark. Uh, and I was doing this couch surfing thing at that time. So it was kind of neat because uh, my host uh, 
took me to this place. And it was just insane. Just absolutely insane. I, since then, it's basically like clubs and bars across Europe and Asia, especially South Korea and stuff like that, but not a huge raver. Not, I don't go to all-night parties anymore. New, 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 new. That life is all but over. So I'll go to these big festivals just to see his, see what the vibe is. You know, it's kind of fun. I guess. It's kind of neat. Uh, and it's, again, it's Hong Kong, <laughs> so it's not Beijing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's a nice, nice trip. It'll be my first trip out of the city in a very long time. So I am looking forward to it. Now, the other thing I want to do, I, I, I'm, I'm, I might go for a run. I might go for a couple bike trips or a hike. Uh, but I was also looking at getting an SNES console. So a Super Nintendo Entertainment System console, game console. They they are not sold in the mainland of China. The only console uh, that is sold in the mainland of China is the Nintendo Switch. Other than that, they're, they're not allowed. Um, and the Super Nintendo, if... I know there's some people who might not even know what that is. Like These are retro gaming now. Yes, colleagues, you're that old. If you remember what the SNES is or the NES... You're old people. That's retro gaming. That that's seventies is ancient. Eighties and like nineties. There is your old. Imagine when like um, what's the two thousands when PS four will become old, and that that that'll be that's still a new game to most of us. New game console, right? Uh, but uh, so I was looking thinking about getting one of these, and there is a um, an electronic smart in uh, Hong Kong that sells these things. Uh, I don't. I haven't found anything in China. The, you can't get them on Taobao or Jingdong. Um, I'm not sure if uh, was it Zhuang, uh, what, what Zhuangjiahu? Is that what it is? In uh, not Zhuangjiakou. That's where the Olympics were. But there was another place. Uh, I can't remember the name of it. Here in um, in Beijing in Haidian District, used to be. But the only problem with going to these huge electronic marts, electronic um, stores, is that you got to be you got to be careful about getting scammed. And I'm of all things. I'm part of a few Facebook groups uh, that deal with retro gaming and the SNES, and people talk, they they re- take apart these games to verify that they're actual SNES cartridges and not fakes, not Chinese fakes is typically what they're they're saying. Uh, but a lot of the games, I didn't notice that the SNES games had a battery that lasted for 20 years, that saved all of your information. That dies so. The one thing that you will see on these these old cartridges, if you collect them, not that I do, and I'm not interested in getting into it, is that you will see a new battery and then a new battery enclosure. And that just means that the people were still playing it and that they swapped out the battery so that they could play the original cartridge rather than uh, an emulation or basically have the game cartridges basically die altogether. So... Um, I was looking at, but Nintendo released these game consoles again, a, a new version, a mini version a couple of years ago, back to 2017, I think it was, NES and SNES. I never got one. I don't know why I didn't get one. Oh, they sold out. That's why. I think that's what it was, is that there was maybe, and I remember uh, this guy from high school telling me, he's like, well, we got a couple at the store. I mean, I could put one aside for him. Like, nah, 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 I'll get it later. Never did get it. Not that's an issue. I don't play games. I hardly have time to do half the stuff that I got to do anyway. Like tonight, I just recorded another ESL podcast, so uh, that's gonna that should be edited. Although um, 
I'm terrible at editing because I just don't spend the time on it. Uh, podcast episodes, I still have to schedule another interview. So when do I have time? Who knows? Maybe, maybe by making time for video games, I will have more time to do these other things. Maybe it'll help relax myself. Maybe that's what's going to happen. I don't know. Probably not. Folks, I'm going to leave it there. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. Show notes and tracks up on my website, stevensterski.com. Have a good weekend. Enjoy it. Take some time off. If not, then, um, well, have fun working. (laughs) We'll talk again. Bye-bye.